and welcome to Rad Chat, the first therapeutic radiographer-led oncology podcast. So tonight we have myself, Jay McNamara, and I'm joined by fellow host, Naaman Jock Anderson. Hi, everyone. So tonight we're going to go through the patient pathway and essentially who's who in radiotherapy and who you're likely to meet along your pathway. So Naaman, when a patient gets diagnosed, who's maybe one of the first people that they're going to speak to? when it comes to radiotherapy? So I suppose even before the radiotherapy side, um, you might meet your clinical nurse specialist, your oncologist. Um, It's important to say that mostly all, I think all clinical sites will have a clinical nurse specialist. So they will be specialising in that area, let's say, for example, breast. um, So they'll know everything about it. Um, And they might be your point of contact throughout the whole kind of pathway um, and beyond. And then the oncologist, there's two different types of oncologists. So one medical and one's clinical. Medical will focus primarily on chemotherapy um, or systemic therapies, you know, immunotherapy as well. And they can have a crossover with hormone therapy. Uh, Clinical oncologists, they will be the ones who can prescribe radiotherapy or radiation treatments. So all the different types. Uh, But they can also do a crossover with chemotherapy and also hormone therapy and some immunotherapies as well. So it's quite a nice kind of team effort from them. But important to note that you might also be consented for certain treatments by a consultant nurse practitioner, but also a consultant therapeutic radiographer. So I think we're quite lucky in radiotherapy that almost every single site now, including specialist roles, um, which probably wouldn't have normally come up before and would have been oncologist-led, such as specific adaptive radiotherapy techniques or proton therapy. We have consultant radiographers who can consent to you ultimately the exact same way as an oncologist could. Um, so, yeah, I think it's that's probably the main people you might see. But you also might see um, maybe healthcare assistants. If, for example, if you're going to have chemotherapy, they might be there to help you at the diagnosis stage to get your height and weight. So they can do some lovely calculations for the chemotherapy um, or might meet a phlebotomist to do your bloods. But also even before you come in, you might see the reception team. Um, they're very important. They're the first people you see and they guide you, tell you where to go, tell you where the toilets are, drinking fountain, all that sort of stuff. Um, so, yeah, that's probably some of the people you'd meet. I always remember the receptionist. So every time I've gone to... Um a hospital appointment receptionist is how I gauge kind of how this appointment is going to go they're your first port of call aren't they they've got such an important role and having worked on reception as a student therapeutic radiographer I have to say it's probably one of the hardest jobs in the in the whole hospital and um, that is a demanding role answering the phone and and kind of even knowing all of your extension numbers is challenging enough <laughs> yeah all, all these numbers and very key life skills I suppose time management yeah smiling where you can <laughs> yeah absolutely really challenging so you they kind of you did mention a little bit about different types of radiation treatment so can you just kind of let us know what you mean by that okay I'm hoping I don't forget them Joe. but don't you worry I'm here to back you up <laughs> <laughs> So there's external radiotherapy treatments and there's also internal radiotherapy treatments. So the external beam radiotherapy, um, that's probably the most common one that's prescribed. So it's where the radiation is given outside to treat a tumour inside someone's body, but also it could be a superficial tumour. Um, so within external beam, you also have superficial treatments or there's um, yeah proton therapy, which is a bit newer, but that, that's also there too. You can get internal kind of operative radiotherapy, so which is where 
the surgeon would also be involved um, and you'd be given radiation treatment directly in or around the tumour. Um, this is, I think I've seen it in breast treatment before. You can get radioactive iodine treatment, uh, so for thyroid cancers, where you will have a radioactive kind of isotope which you swallow um, and it will attack where we want it to attack. Um, there's also brachytherapy, which is internal radiotherapy. Um, so there's quite a few different versions, but the most common ones that people know is gynecological or prostate. There's also esophageal brachytherapy or skin brachytherapy, which are a bit more specialist. I'm trying to think what I've missed, Joe. <laughs> no, that's good. So lots of essentially lots of different types of radiation treatments. Um, I would just mention stereotactic uh, radio surgery as well, which is an external beam type of radiotherapy, but it's commonly known as a radio surgery. And essentially that's using um, a gamma knife. And you will typically find that they are um oncologist and neurosurgeon led um and essentially they treat lots of brain tumors or also other conditions that can be treated with radiation um like a acoustic neuroma um or potentially um, um meningiomas and you can also get some of the um some of the metastatic um brain treatments as well so um it's a different type of external beam radiotherapy that's offered i suppose when people do get to it after listening to this episode quite further down in the 40s we do talk about a different one that might be the future might not i'm not going to say it is or not isn't at this point so i'll let you listen but flash radiotherapy that's all i'll say make sure yeah. you get there <laughs> absolutely just work your way through um okay so they've essentially come they've met their receptionist what what are they gonna do next then name and who are they gonna see so once they've been prescribed radiotherapy um even before they meet the receptionist they might have been called by the bookings team or the pre-treatment team um in radiotherapy just to let them know about their appointment and then yeah coming to an oncology center uh, make sure you know where to go because radiotherapy can be tucked away quite far either below ground <laughs> or in a dark corner somewhere because of our radiation proof bunkers which are very thick yeah they meet the reception team who will tell them what they need to do who they'll meet using our lovely fancy hospital systems it'll let us know in the radiotherapy department so sometimes it will be a member of the pre-treatment team so they're therapeutic radiographers by background so all different levels um, they could be newly qualified staff who are rotating in um, it could also be sort of a senior radiographer um, at different levels or um, and I'll probably let you explain this a bit more Joe. you can get student radiographers who might be having kind of their placement or their rotation into pre-treatment yeah absolutely so students typically will train half of their time in a clinical department and so getting practical experience on how to be a therapeutic radiographer is really really important and they're essential part of the team um, and have amazing skills and capabilities to be able to support you whilst you're going through your treatment so um they will introduce themselves exactly as every member of staff will hopefully introduce themselves um telling you what their name is and um what profession they are and also maybe where they work specifically within the radiotherapy department and that's really important if someone doesn't do that don't feel like you can't ask them because absolutely they will always tell you yeah, and I think yeah that introduction, as you said, the receptionist will be the first person you see. Sometimes from the radiotherapy clinical team, we might be the first people to see. I remember it was always a bit scary to go and get the patient when you're a student. 
you know, you call out with your very quiet voice into the waiting room. No one looks up and you think, oh no, I'm going to have to be really loud here. I feel like you didn't have a problem being loud when you were a student. <laughs> How rude! How rude! Do you know what though? I was always quieter when I thought I don't know how to pronounce this name, and I was always really embarrassed. So I would always, always try and find out how to pronounce the name beforehand, and then if I did have to go for it and I knew that it was wrong, I would straight away correct myself with a patient. So yeah, that's the most challenging thing. So again, make sure you correct your members of staff if they don't say your name properly. So I've got McNamara and people always pronounce that incorrectly. And uh, sometimes it's quite daunting to go, actually it's it's McNamara, not McNabanana or whatever it is that you've just, (laughs) whatever you've just said, which is actually what they pronounced on my wedding day, actually. You know, when they do the whole grand, and welcome, let's introduce Mr. and Mrs. Magna Banana. I'm like, no, that's definitely not our name. But yeah, don't feel like you can't correct people because, yeah, it's important that we know how to pronounce your name correctly for the the number of treatments that you're going to be coming for. My name in uh, WhatsApp or whatever always autocorrects to Banana or Batman. Really? Yeah. I like Batman. (laughs) <laughs> yeah you've never seen me and batman in the same room really, so. <laughs> so let's say soon radiographer joe has got the patient what what do they do next with them before they're going for their pre-treatment appointment so you'll typically find that you'll be asked um pieces of information and um Sometimes this can be quite frustrating because you're like, has this person got a memory issue? Um, Because they'll ask for maybe your name, your address, your date of birth. Um, They may use other identifying factors as well. If you're an inpatient, they may look at your wristband to um, check your ID. Um, And then you will typically find that they will lead you through to another area of the department. And it's at this point that you may have someone else also check and verify your identification and um, I promise you it's purely to ensure that they have the right patient and have the right procedure set up for you um, so it's not that we have memory loss I promise you it's part of our safety procedures to make sure that you are who you say you are um, and that we're delivering any radiation to the right person really important so Naaman, they'll typically um, go through to what we call pre-treatment, essentially first. Now, you would never go through to the pre-treatment area um, and have a CT scan prior to having someone talk to you about what's going to happen. Um, you, they might take you into the CT scanner room, but they wouldn't start to get you into the position or start to do anything without first explaining what's going to happen. So that's really important to know and to be prepared for. So typically they would um, have a good conversation with you about what to expect, what to experience. And there are lots of of ways that patients can kind of anticipate what's going to happen to them. Naaman, if if someone was coming for radiotherapy, is there anywhere that you would refer them to get advice or information about what they can expect when they first start going for radiotherapy? Yeah, I think quite a few centres have their own kind of in-house videos, um, just to be a bit more inclusive. I know COVID changed a few things, but lots of centres had like an open evening, so to speak, where patients could come in a few weeks before see the department know where to go so you know you know where the toilets are where you're going to park how you're going to get to the department you know where the canteen is or er everything that sort of thing so i think therapeutic radiography centers right everywhere really in the country they're quite good at that 
but if not i mean um a few centers have attached like maggie centers with them um and they have done some videos with the radiotherapy department to send to all the patients but yeah you, you can usually get information probably through your pre-treatment team um but if not there might be for example a macmillan stand um in the waiting room so some centers will also have cancer support workers um or volunteers who will work within the oncology setting and they'll help you guide you tell you what to do um sometimes at these kind of uh I was going to say parent evening, that's not right. <laughs> <Open evenings. laughs> um, some patient advocates, so you know, people who might have had treatment there before will be there to explain to you what's going to happen. But ultimately, whoever has a chat with you, they will tell you there and then what to expect. We, when I did pre-treatment chats or uh, also treatment chats eventually, which we'll come on to, we used to have kind of photos. And so if we weren't always in the room, the pre-treatment room with the CT scanner, we would have a photo of the scanner, show them for their type of treatment. So ultimately for anyone having radiotherapy we would use a ct scan and that's just it's not a diagnostic level scan so we're not trying to find any more disease or any problems it's more the way we do radiotherapy is in a specific manner using things called immobilization so effectively kind of tools to get you in the right position so that you can stay as still but as comfortable as possible uh, for the treatment basically um but yeah so that kind of scan we would show them pictures of what the immobilization on the machine so the ct scanner would look like so they knew what to expect um so yeah but otherwise just ask them if, if you think there's something that you've missed or come with a list of questions um because if you can tick them off you'll feel better i, I think it's important we, you know, we'll have the time to go through them but also the consent form that we go through with you that will have a, f a bit of information i know now uh across the country there are some national uh consent forms that are being used which cover lots of information around what to expect um, as well. Brilliant. So once a patient has maybe been informed about what the CT process is, um, they would then be asked to maybe get undressed or changed into a gown um, or just to expose the area where they're actually going to be treated. Why do people have to expose themselves having um, CT scans and radiotherapy name and why can't we have it with our clothes on? maintain our dignity as much as possible yeah i think it's difficult i suppose to be able to do a scan with people's clothes on because they might have metallic elements or different things it would just trick the software into thinking it's your skin or cause what we call artifact i won't get too nerdy but just basically making the scan a bit diff more difficult for you know the oncologists or the consultant radiographers and the physics and planning teams to be able to do their job properly basically we want to use the photos that we've taken of you to provide the most precise accurate treatment basically um you know if things get in the way if they have to that's fine we can work harder uh, and make people really earn their money to make sure the plan is perfect as we want to but yeah i suppose dignity wise lot, lots of centers do have dignity gowns which we can use but sometimes for the treatment planning session itself we will do everything we can to maintain your dignity um, you know, to a reasonable level uh, as much as possible. If there's things you don't find comfortable, we will do what we can to make sure you are comfortable. Um, but also it's a completely confidential private room where it's only going to be two, maybe three um, therapeutic radiographers who will be there. So, yeah, I think, I know, Joe, you've talked about this with lecturing before. You, you know, you talk about confidentiality and privacy and especially dignity with your students quite a lot. Yeah, really, really important. It's something fundamentally that we want to ensure that patients have confidentiality, have dignity um, whilst they're going through their treatments. And we already recognise that it's hard enough coming for 
a treatment for cancer and so we want to make it as easy for you as we possibly can do so from that perspective it's just making sure that we have a two-way conversation and communicate what we possibly can do to kind of make you feel at ease and relax that's the biggest thing um at this pre-treatment phase and you will hear us as therapeutic radiographers say that all the time just relax breathe away um you know it's in our dna really i'm sure i dream about it now even though i've not been in clinical for a while um just relax just get you know settle down into the bed um it's kind of things that we would typically say to patients because relaxing is really important we want you to be as relaxed as possible so that we can reproduce your position when you come for treatment so Absolutely. If there's anything that's worrying you, then please do let us know. I know, Naaman, some patients will have different um, experiences going through CT and pre-treatment. So some patients might have contrast. Some patients might have to breathe in a specific way. Um, you know, how do patients know ahead of attending um, their pre-treatment scan whether or not these things will apply to them? I suppose at the consent stage, so where the oncologist or the uh, consultant therapeutic radiographer, they'll go through it there and then because that's what they'll be consenting you for. But they'll give you potentially also leaflets just to explain what's going to happen during the pre-treatment appointment. Um, but again, it's, it's that consent stage where you know one of us from the pre-treatment team will take you through, will explain this is what needs to happen and why. So why do you need contrast or why do you need to hold your breath? Um, those sort of things. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I would say. I'm just thinking as well, it's really helpful for patients to know that, you know, whatever um, advice that we give patients prior to attending that pre-treatment um, appointment, we are trying to immobilise something um, as much as we possibly can do or get a better image. So using contrast, that is so that we can see what we need to see much more clearly on the CT scan um, and thinking about maybe bladder or bowel prep. So if you're told to empty your bladder or fill your bladder or if you're told to, um, you know, empty your bowels and um, those pieces of advice are basically for us to try and reproduce some of the internal structures that again allow us to be able to um, plan the radiotherapy so um, the advice is all geared towards you so I often see patients sitting chatting with each other in the waiting room and you can hear it visibly when you go oh I'm not having that. Why am I not having that procedure? Does that mean my treatment's not as good? I promise you, every single patient has their own individual radiotherapy treatment and it is personalised very specifically to you. And that's why sometimes, Naaman, isn't it, the pre-treatment CT scan phase can be quite lengthy. When that first ever appointment, you can find patients are in the department for quite a long time. Yeah, it's just to make sure we give you all the right information. So the scan itself doesn't always take that long. Same with the treatments, but it's just about making sure you're comfortable giving you what you need, getting all the prep right, just so effectively we need to make sure that that scan is as perfect as it can be so that the treatment is reproducible for you. Um, and obviously changes do happen, but we can deal with those when we need to. But the main thing is just to make you feel comfortable. And Joe, I know we've touched in a previous episode, so the what is the radiotherapy episode, about why there's a two-week wait. But as we're talking about who you might meet some patients probably don't ever meet the planning or the physics team you know the ones who do a lot of technical things behind to make sure their plans are perfect and amazing and look very pretty <laughs> well i say that on the treatment planning system they look pretty they look really interesting how 
you know, who are they? What do they do? So there's lots of people that work in planning and it's a really smooth process. Um, essentially what happens is once your CT scan goes through to the planning department, you would have a planning member of staff. Now that can be lots of different professionals and it can actually vary depending on what department you're in. But essentially what's happening is they are contouring and drawing round where they want to deliver the treatment to and also any what we call organs at risk so they're organs that ideally we want to avoid and then we're using very complex planning software to be able to um, create the best radiotherapy treatment plan that we possibly can for you based on that CT scan. So we would typically have um, planning, maybe planning therapeutic radiographers or planning dosimetrists, physicists. Uh, we might have oncologists feeding into that. We may also have diagnostic um, radiographers or radiologists using different types of imaging to feed into that. So sometimes we overlay different types of imaging. So it's quite a complex system and so much goes on in those planning rooms um, that I would just love to know maybe more about um, what they actually do but I do know that the work that they do will fundamentally tell us as therapeutic radiographers how to deliver your treatment day in day out so it's a really really important part of the radiotherapy treatment process that actually patients and a lot of healthcare professionals don't get to see so amazing work so Naaman once the plan has been created what then do patients get to experience you know they're at home thinking oh gosh what's what's happening next what would a patient expect to receive you know through the post do they get their appointments then do they get it at ct at what stage do patients get informed about the actual treatment usually at the pre-treatment appointment we'd give you as i to the patient uh, a printout of their expected treatment so it's usually around it can be around two weeks afterwards Sometimes it can be sooner. Um, it's not usually any longer than that, but if it is, it's probably for a reason. And I think again, that's like a whole other podcast as to why we can, why <laughs> we need to safely delay patients, basically. But it's usually for medical reasons. Um, so yeah, once they've had their appointment times, it'll be the similar process that when they come to the department, um, they'll meet the reception team again, but obviously, hopefully, know a bit better where they are. And then one of the treatment radiographers, so moving away from the pre-treatment side so the actual ones who might deliver the treatment one of those will come in uh, take the patient and maybe a relative or a family member or a carer that's come with them to go through that same kind of consent process so although the patients are probably consented for treatment we have to reconfirm because you know two weeks can be a long time um, people have doubts or they have worries etc but that therapeutic radiographer who takes them through and it could also be a student but they'll be supervised by a qualified member of staff um just to yeah go through the consent form again side effects what to expect for radiotherapy um any questions that, you know just answer them really um you talked about doing first day chats a lot and how you like to take your time with them um why why is it important to take your time and not rush them so it's really important that patients feel that they have an opportunity to ask any questions that they may have radiotherapy unfortunately isn't the treatment that's as well known about so you know when you talk to the general members of the public about what chemotherapy is there's a general consensus that people know what it is and some of the side effects of it whereas radiotherapy is less known about so the first day chat that we typically refer to them as some departments might call them other things but 
that first appointment where you're coming for your treatment, you will have an opportunity to sit with the therapeutic radiographer or another healthcare professional or one of the student um, radiographers to talk about the treatment, what to expect, you know, some of the side effects to treatment, how to support yourself going through the treatment and things that you can do to help lessen some of the side effects that you may experience. So it's a really valuable opportunity for you to ask lots of questions. Um, one thing I would say for any patients who are going for treatment, don't be embarrassed to ask questions that maybe you haven't felt you can ask other healthcare professionals. This is the time to ask it. So if you have um, questions about sex, um, if you have questions about um you know, you know, who's going to look after your dog during radiotherapy treatment? You know, there's so many examples that occasionally you can feel like, oh, actually, I don't want to ask that. I don't want to take people's time up. That is the opportunity to ask those questions. And I promise you, there's nothing that you can ask that's that's going to embarrass um, a radiographer at all. The one thing is, is to make sure that you get the most out of that appointment as you possibly can do. Now, you will have opportunities throughout the treatment to ask any questions. And they may be questions that you might prefer to ask the oncologist. That's absolutely fine. And the healthcare professional that you're talking to may not have the answers to everything, but I promise you that they will find those answers out or refer you um, for that help and advice and support. Um, so it's just something to bear in mind. One thing I would stress as well is that there are lots of centres now that have complementary therapies available to patients or holistic services. So if you feel that that's something that you may benefit from, that's again an opportunity to ask the question Um so I know as a practitioner, I went through and experienced some of those complementary therapies because I was referring patients and I wanted to experience what it was. And I would highly recommend for anyone who's maybe having a head shell, immobilization device, or someone who is particularly anxious or nervous about anything that they're going through, hypnotherapy, reflexology, um, aromatherapy is amazing. And that's definitely something that we can support within the radiotherapy department. Um, so something to consider. So Naaman, what can patients expect when they go into the radiotherapy treatment room? Uh, so hopefully we've shown you a photo or even a, a Lego Tinder accelerator as to how the treatment room looks but it's very different to the CT scanner so CT scanner or an MRI it's a bit of a polo or a donut that you go in and out of whereas a linear accelerator moves around you um, it you know it shouldn't have to touch you and it rarely ever does if it does we'll do it safely um, if it's getting close to an arm or a leg but it rarely ever happens um, so you have the treatment couch with the immobilization so that we need to have for the treatment um, and then we work, always work in pairs so there'll be two therapeutic radiographers and also might be a student radiographer if you're happy with that um, so we'll go through that same process where you think we've forgotten who you are so we'll ask you your full name date of birth and address but it's important really to make sure we've got the right person um, and then yeah once uh, once you're on the bed we'll start to get you in position according to your treatment plan that as Joe said the physicists and dosimetrists um, have kind of planned and then yeah, once we go through the treatment, I know we've kind of covered this a bit in what is radiotherapy, um, but the treatment itself can be quite quick. Um, it's more the getting you in position that takes time, isn't it, Joe? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that positioning isn't to be underestimated because we work within millimetres of accuracy. So 
we you will typically find that therapeutic radiographers ask you to remain still even though they're moving you which for any patients who are really helpful um i promise you just lay nice and still and lay really heavily into the table because it is literally millimeters um that we move you and sometimes it is just a slight rotation here or there so um that's sometimes the hardest part of the treatment is getting you into the right position and then once you are in the right position it's just making sure that you maintain that position throughout so keeping as still as you possibly can do um, and that can sometimes be more challenging than anything um, you know patients typically report that that that's something that goes through their head knowing that they've got to stay really really still um, and that's where your therapeutic radiographers can hopefully support you we have an intercom in the room and we also have cameras so although we can't stay with you in the room because of the fact we're delivering radiation we do walk outside and sit and watch you whilst the machine is actually delivering the treatment and it's really important that if you want the additional support of someone talking to you that you ask you know the intercom is there to support um you if you need it um, of course we also have um, cd players or sometimes there's um, mp3 players that you can hook up to the um, wi-fi and stuff so from that perspective it's just using whatever you need to use to be able to ensure that you have a relaxing experience while you're having radiotherapy and anything that you need to do then just let us know so that we can help and support you as much as possible so Naaman, you are a radiographer review, uh, therapeutic radiographer. So when might a patient see you? Um, so honestly, it could even be before treatment if they've had some you know, problems maybe after surgery and the pre-treatment team want me to see them. So my role is very multifaceted that I can do a patient's bloods or talk about side effects, uh, any worries, those kind of things and dressings, etc., wound care, whatever really. Uh, but yeah, so it could be first appointment if they need some extra specialist advice, so the treatment team or the patients, uh, but also the, most patients will have scheduled reviews throughout their treatment. And obviously this depends on their, uh, the amount of appointments they have, what treatment site it is, and it would depend on the local department as well, because sometimes you can have radiotherapy nurses who do this uh, role as well. But for therapeutic radiographers in review, um, they'll have kind of specialist skills in interpersonal skills, um, side effect management, you know, all of these kind of things. So we're basically your port of call for any problems that you have during the treatment. Um, and I think it's important to know that really every therapeutic radiographer and student you come across will be able to do an element of reviewing at some point. So it doesn't just mean that the person in front of you, because they're not a review radiographer, they can't help you. They can, and they will have a lot of knowledge around them, what to do or signpost as well. But yeah, that's kind of what I would do in review um, any problems for a patient or try my hardest to help and if we have to liaise with you know other departments or other allied health professionals doctors etc we can coordinate that care because ultimately yes we're good at what we do but sometimes other people might be better at doing certain elements of your care uh, so yeah that, that's that's it sometimes really and also if staff get a cut we are their first put of call to give them a bandage or <laughs> Uh, in our department, we've got dinosaur or unicorns. Um, <laughs> Pastors. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but that, that's kind of what happens. And I suppose at the end of the treatment, we'll go through the follow-up process, kind of what happens next, that sort of stuff. And uh, in some departments, if you have a discharge letter from radiotherapy, because obviously as you're having treatment, we would be the ones to write them, put the 
contact details on what happens next you know, side effects what to look out for etc um so yeah that's it but i suppose joe when patients finish do they ever see a therapeutic radiographer again what happens afterwards um so hopefully not um that would be the first thing to say you know the fact that you would see another therapeutic radiographer may mean that you're coming back for radiotherapy treatment however therapeutic radiographers are now working across the oncology pathway so depending on where you live in the country and the services that you're receiving you may come across a therapeutic radiographer in another guise but typically patients find the end of treatment particularly difficult because you're used to seeing someone every single day for your treatment and you know as someone who's gone through treatment i know that having that constant support is really beneficial and then when it stops and you're no longer under the care of someone um, and you can't just ask someone every single day actually I've got a bit of a niggle pain here or actually I've got this symptom is is this normal is this a side effect or is this something I need to worry about and um, that can be really difficult and challenging and I think the biggest piece of advice is to phone the department you know we have people that can help and support you do not suffer in silence at home and um, sometimes it's harder to see a GP and go to the GP surgery with some of those um, issues because ultimately they would refer back to the oncologist. So the best place to call is your department and ask to speak to someone, letting them know that you've had treatment recently and hopefully that, that would be a great um, way to support you. It's also recognising that radiotherapy continues to work even though you've actually finished the treatment um, so it kind of accumulates within the body and the therapeutic effect of radiotherapy continues and can continue for a long time and that also means that actually the late effects and side effects of treatment also continue and can continue for forever and i think that's really important to recognize um, and that should be discussed with you through consent so making sure that you have that copy of the consent form having had that discussion with your oncologist and and making sure that you know what to expect from a from a side effects perspective every patient is very different and responds to radiotherapy differently and so sometimes we will give generic advice but it is really important that if you are experiencing something that maybe hasn't been mentioned that you get in contact with a healthcare professional to try and support you through that and um, there are lots of lots of mechanisms of support in place but sometimes it's about putting your hand up and saying actually i need that help and support so Naaman, we're coming to the end of this podcast is there anything else that you think patients may benefit from knowing or do you think there's any who's who of radiotherapy that we've maybe missed out i'm very scared for our colleagues to listen to this and go you didn't mention me <laughs> oh, hopefully we haven't missed anyone but i suppose there's other allied health professionals that you might come across doing radiotherapy like physiotherapists occupational therapists sometimes our patients um, if they are having or struggling with side effects or their disease, they might be an inpatient. So be on the, one of our oncology wards. Um, so I think if you're on an oncology ward, you'll come across a lot of different people. So from a healthcare assistant to the cleaner to you know to a consultant or whatever. Really, that there's loads, aren't there? Yeah, support workers, support workers. My yeah. biggest dream team. Um, support workers. They used to save me when I was working clinically. Um, and as the name suggests they 
literally support the whole workforce working in major therapy so really important part of the team and also not forgetting the technicians so when you have an appointment that is delayed typically it will be because there is something that's you know a miss with the machine it's just because it's not because it's broken hopefully touch wood um it's largely because of the fact that there's an interlock or something that just needs resolving really quickly but the technicians are experts in being able to manage and um, ensure that the machine and the equipment is working as it should do and i promise you there are thousands upon thousands of safety checks um so i wouldn't I wouldn't want anyone to worry about going for radiotherapy from a safety perspective. There are lots of things in place, aren't there, Naaman, to help protect patients and staff as well. Yeah, and as we said, and what is radiotherapy? You won't be radioactive afterwards from um, radiotherapy unless you're having iodine treatment, which is very specific for thyroid cancer. The only last team I think we might not have mentioned is the psychological support. So we said support workers, but uh, some departments will have psychotherapists or psych oncology teams or even sexual therapists as well um they're quite important i think it's quite scary to put your hand up and say you need help and sometimes some patients or some people might find that difficult but they're there ultimately to you know while we might be there to get your physical side back to where it should be or you know controlling disease etc they're there for your psychological and mental benefits and to help you live with and beyond cancer basically absolutely well thank you ever so much that's all from us here at rad chat i'd like to say thank you so much um for listening and good night